Good morning and welcome back to the Legal Queen podcast. I release these episodes every Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursday at 6am. In only two months, guys, we have grown to 10,000 monthly listeners. Wow, blows my mind. And I just wanted to say thank you so much. I get hundreds of messages every day saying how much this podcast is helping people. So if I could ask whatever application you may be listening to this on, Spotify, Apple, Amazon or anywhere else, if you could please give me a five star rating, it will really help push the podcast so that we can help even more people. My goal is to be reaching 50,000 monthly listeners by the end of the year and you guys can directly help me achieve that. Anyway, enjoy the following episode. Evening all, how are we? Let me just go live on TikTok. Bear with me one second. There we go. Wow, how hot is it today, guys? And yesterday, not that I'm complaining, but it is a little bit hot. Let's kick off. Enough said. Um, First one up is O-N-E. Hope I've said that right. Um, Whenever you're ready, what's your question? Hi, hi, can you hear me? I can, yeah. How can I help? So, uh, I'll just quickly uh, straight to the question. I'm looking to uh, understand if I can appeal a C100 action on enforcement. Just brief, brief uh, background. 2019, I got a favorable order to uh, have contact with my children every other week. Uh, mom breached it. I went back in 2021. Uh, I got again an enforcement order in 2022, set out the childcare arrangement. November 2022, she breached it again on the premise that I left uh, the children unattended by themselves in my house whilst they were in my care. Then, for that reason, she stopped visitation, saying they're no longer coming to my place until they turn 16. And in my my boys are 14 and 12 year old. Social services got involved. They said there's nothing wrong. There's no law supporting our action. Boys can stay on their own temporarily if I need to nip out. Of course, said exactly the same thing. The long story short, we were in court on Friday as I'm yeah. putting an application yeah. for action on the enforcement. Yeah. And, and to my surprise, judge or the magistrate um, kind of accepted her reason for breaching the court order. Right, um, which is not which is not too bad. I, I can understand. But they now imposed a condition on me to say I mustn't leave the child, the children unsupervised. But if I need to nip out, I have to take them along with me. Bearing in mind, whilst we were in court, the children were left out at my ex's house. Whilst we were in court, both of us, I found that um, strange. I didn't want to challenge the, uh, the magistrate in court. But I did seek for clarification to say, look. What you're saying is slightly different from what professionals are saying. Said, yes, if you need to nip out, you must take the children with you. And although the, the final order hasn't come through yet, I feel it's that condition is unbalanced and it's not in the... Um, how old How old are the children? 14 and 12. 14 and 12, okay. I mean, look, at the end of the day, you guys aren't able to agree contact or, or whatever, you know, child arrangements that, that you could consider suitable. So you've gone to the court and asked for help. Um, the court has done that by giving a child arrangements order. It's unfortunate that you're not happy with that child arrangements order, but my suggestion to you would not be to go back and challenge the court. It would simply be to adhere to their recommendation and just get on with contact. I'll be completely honest with you. I'm just going to, 
you know, say it as it is. I, I really wouldn't go back and challenge it. If you feel that it's unjust or it's unwarranted, so be it. It's, um, you know, the reason that the court order is in place at the moment is because you and your ex aren't able to agree contact. So it, it's unfortunate. And then that's why I say to people, you know, whilst a lot of people see a court as being a remedy, it's not always a remedy because chances are you'll end up with an order that doesn't actually suit. Um, but we are where we are. I wouldn't challenge it if that was your question to me. Um, I'm not able to come. Yeah, OK. No, then, then I would say no. I would say absolutely not. Um, just uh, keep going with the yeah. condition. Yeah, I would. Uh, honest to God, I would leave it. Yeah. Yeah. I do appreciate that, but uh, the only thing I wanted to point out is yeah. my fear is yeah. is that could be a weapon for my ex now. Absolutely. Just turn around and say, yeah. oh, uh, we've left the kids again, yeah. we're breaching the court order. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah, but you see, the children are old enough to, to be able to say, no, no, dad didn't leave us. So because they're, that's why I asked how old they are. They're 12 and 14. So I think if you if you simply do not leave them, she's never going to be able to say that you have left them. Indeed, she would be. Yeah. Well, okay. she can say it, but she, she'd have difficulty proving it. Okay. All right. I, I, I take your advice. Thank you very okay. much for that. That's very helpful. You're welcome. Thank you so much for your question. Bye-bye. Um, SJ123, you are next up whenever you're ready. Join me on the stage and ask me your question. Hello. Hi, yeah. Hello. Can you hear me? I can, yeah. What's your question? Oh, perfect. Um, it was just regarding, um, so my partner um has divorced from his ex yeah um but there wasn't a financial settlement put in place right um when they had their divorce um she's gone on to remarry um is there any way that she can make a financial claim against him now not if she has remarried no because she now play has placed a bar against herself by virtue of the fact that she's remarried again so she's not going to be able okay. to do that no perfect that was that was my question. Okay. <laughs> that was a nice, easy one. Thanks so much. So would he be, just to double check, would he be able to claim from her or no? Yes. If he hasn't remarried, yeah. he can still make a claim against okay. her. Yeah. Interesting. Perfect. All right. That's lovely. Thank you. Have a Pleasure. Good evening. You too. Bye-bye. Uh, London from New York is on next. Uh, you are new to Discord. It might take you a moment to join me. Oh, there we go. That was quite quick. Hello, how are you? Oh, I'm great, thanks. Thanks so much for taking my That's uh, okay. call. And so I've been married less than six months. Yeah. And I had an English registration six months ago. Yeah. Uh, the marriage has fallen apart. Uh, we lived with my parents yeah. for six of those months. Yeah. And then uh, two days before the English registration, I had a house completed. And we moved into that house for 10 days. Yeah. But then after 10 days, marriage broke down. Uh-huh. And I was just thinking what we would need to do because before marriage, I had two two other houses and I had this house. I had three houses in total. Okay. Is it because it's a short marriage? She wouldn't have a claim. She moved out freely and then she accused me of domestic violence. But then the police said that that wasn't the case and they did a no further action. Okay. So I was worried what could happen. Okay. So I'm not going to be able to help you with regard to the finances because you need to take advice there. Okay. There's there's lots more questions that I would need um, answers to before I'd be able to tell you if she can make a claim. But what I can tell you and what I'd like to share with everyone else that's listening is that you aren't able to start divorce until you've been married for 12 months. And of course, if you can't start the divorce process, you're not able to put a financial order before the court. So you're going to have to wait 
wait at least another six months anyway before starting the divorce petition. And it's at that point that you would then get your financial order in place. So you've got plenty of time to seek some advice from a solicitor to find out exactly what it is that you're entitled to and indeed what she's entitled to from that. The other thing I would say is because you mentioned domestic violence, it may be that she gets legal aid. So you just just be be wary of that. Uh, We can't generally get legal aid in family anymore. However, if there is allegations of domestic violence, that is one way to get it. Um, so, you know, I'm not saying it's true. I'm just saying that if the allegations are made, sometimes people will get the legal aid without even having to prove the domestic violence. Yeah, sure. And am I allowed to, do you know if I'm allowed to sell the house or add add somebody else onto it? Because it's solely in my name? Yeah, yeah. I mean, absolutely. You can, you can, yeah, you can sell it. Yeah, you can. Absolutely. There's no order in place to say that you can't. Uh, When the finances are decided, it will be, based upon generally what's, um, you know, sort of available at the time. Um, However, you know, if you are about to get rid of all the assets in a bid to prevent her from having it, that may not work because typically we can Uh, we can go back two years and we're looking at financial disclosure more if we need to. Um, But to answer your question, yeah, you can sell it. Absolutely. Yes. If you if you had to or you wanted to. My dad, for example, who contributed to it. Yeah. Yep. Yep. That's fine. No problem at all. Uh, okay then. I'll all definitely right. do a booking consultation with you because I applied for a non-molestation order. Yeah. But the courts rejected it this week. Oh, so okay. I was a bit disappointed. But oh. she threatened me. Okay. okay. All right. No problem. You're welcome. Bye bye. Lion Roars. You are next up. Let me just. There we go. Hello. How are you, Lion? Hi, yeah. Oh, hello. Yeah. I can. Yeah. How can I help? Yeah. From the question on TikTok. Yeah. Um, you know, with mediation, you know, if you went to court and your ex didn't go to court through mediation because you like claimed there was domestic violence. Yes. But then you went to court and then um, there was nothing found. Yeah. If you were, if you were to take her back to court again for more time, do you have to go through mediation again? It depends if your first case is finished. So if your if your proceedings are still ongoing, then no, no. But if they finished and they finished sort of six months ago, then yes, you you would have to do mediation again. Yeah, it's just because I'm worried it's going to delay things. Uh, well, in terms of seeing the children. Yeah, I mean that that's the um that's the downside of it. Um, but yeah, if if have your other proceedings finished then, have they? Yeah, yeah. since last July. Yeah, yeah. So you you will have to do another mediation referral. Does it mean that you both have to go? You know, if you don't think it's going to work, you don't think it's suitable, let the mediator know that, and they will give you the MyAMS yeah. form. But you do have to get that MyAMS form. That's the um, because, that's the thing. Yeah, because the the application's almost identical, and the judge yeah. said if it went back to court, it wants to go through her again. Um, yeah. So so do we I have to pay. Sorry, I was just going to say a judge can reserve a case to themselves. So that's that's yeah. fine. That's clearly what the judge has done. I suppose because um, they saw that there was maybe some some unjust going on from the other side and they know about the case and rather than have another judge pick it up who doesn't know anything, they've decided they're going to keep it on. I think your next question to me was, do you have to pay the court fee? Yes, you will. 
um, the court fee, £232, will be payable unless, of course, you qualify for a reduction in your fees. Have you have you made inquiries about that? Do you know how to do that? Yeah, the first time round, I wasn't entitled to okay. it, so it looks like I would, I would have to pay it again. Oh, right, okay. It's just because it, it's just because it's exactly the same issue. It's just yeah. in regards to more time because it's been over a year now. Yeah, yeah. no, you will. You, you'll still have to pay the court fee, get your MyAMS form. Good news is, though, it's reserved to that judge. And would I have to pay it for an enforcement order at the same time because she's threatening that if I do take her back to court, yeah. she's looking at it as a threat. Um, and she would stop the current court order where I'm seeing the children. Would I have to pay for that as well? Well, the thing is, if you've already got if you've already got a child arrangement a child arrange, arrangements application before the court, you wouldn't then do an enforcement as well. You would deal with it all in in that in that one hearing. Yeah, I just don't want to dis- disrupt the contact that I've already got. And she's saying that basically I can still have the contact, but if I take out of court, she's saying I'm um, just going to stop it. Yeah, so but it's kind of like I'm trying not to disrupt it. I I know, but ultimately she's calling all the shots, isn't she? And and you know you you want to make an application because you want more time with the children. I get where you're coming from. I mean, look, it's it's a it's a personal decision, that isn't it? By the sounds of it, though, she is sort of blackmailing you yeah. to doing things her way. But well, look, I hope that helped. It does. All right. Yeah. No problem. Right, Thanks then. Bye-bye. Um, Cheryl Kidd, you are next up. What's your question? Hi. It's Hello. It's kind of in two parts, if that's okay. Yeah, sure. Um, I might be um, talking on behalf of my partner, but he's basically been going through his divorce process for two and a half years. They've yeah. got the conditional order, but they're at the financial stage. Yeah. Um, and over the last two and a half years, it's kind of been really difficult to get that financial disclosure. We've got that. They kind of sent a deal saying they're not willing to negotiate yeah we've gone back saying you have you have to <laughs> um but they're kind of now saying or she's now saying that she doesn't have any money to pay for lawyers or or isn't willing to spend any money on lawyers um so can't move it forward so where does that kind of leave us because it's kind of been two and a half years of nothing what do you mean where does it leave you, you, you you're, you're just um, running so you're just running your application she moved forward if she's refusing to pay so are you talking about divorce or finances first of all? Let's let's okay. clear that up. Okay. So you're talking about finances. What do you mean she refused to pay? Pay what? So she's said that she no longer is willing to pay for legal counsel. Right. That that that's Okay, that's her so that's her prerogative. That's her prerogative. So so what's your question of me? You you just keep going with your application. She doesn't have to have a solicitor. She can represent herself. The court won't stop the process just because she's representing herself, if that's what you're asking me. Do we need to go through mediation first and tell the mediator that they're not willing to do it? Do we have to do that stage? Do you have to? So, sorry, you haven't made your financial application yet. Is that what you're saying? You haven't made that yet? No, not right. at all. We've been trying to do it on a voluntary basis between the lawyers. Okay. They haven't come up with it yet. So, so yes, you do. Yeah. Saying, well, okay. No, I've got really it. I've got it. Yeah. Yes, you do have to do the mediation. Um, you will have to um have a mediation referral made. Um, whether you attend that or not, the mediator will tell you if it's mediation suitable, and they will give you a MyAMS yeah. form, which you'll then use to make your financial application. All right. Okay. Um, and 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 the matter the matter will just proceed from there. No problem. Lovely. Thanks. Thank you. Bye.
New Run, you are next up on my list. Whenever you're ready, ask me your question. My um, my ex-husband applied for contact with my 12-year-old son. Yeah. And we came to the end of proceedings in March of this year. And uh, it was directed that he could only have contact with him by way of email. Yeah. So, and he was instructed to send my son emails every two weeks and um, just to try and rebuild the relationship and see if my son wanted to kind of rebuild that relationship with his dad because he was abusive and stuff in the past. Um, I'm at the point now where dad will send an email sometimes once a month, sometimes every two weeks, sometimes every two days and he'll start off sometimes being really nice, polite, apologetic and then when my son responds, he's abusive, he's manipulative, um, he starts insulting me um the last email on my son's birthday he offered him a present and then instead of giving him the present he said well your mom's breaking a court order and i'm going to take her back to court and he worked that to my son um i'm at the point now where i just feel like these emails are really damaging to my son's emotional well-being and um I'm just looking for some like guidance on what I should do. What do you think you should do? Um, I think the emails need to stop. But the, the problem is that my son does like to receive some form of communication from his dad. But I don't, I don't communicate with him at all because when I do, um, it just sounds really abusive. Um, can I, so I, ha, I, I was thinking and I thought, should I put an, an application to vary the order where I ask the judge to restrict how often dad is allowed to send him emails and then maybe that will, if they're, if he's not writing to him as often, it won't be as intense. Okay, that that's one suggestion. Um, my my suggestion would be you just block the emails. So when I said to you, what do you think okay. you should do? You said to me, well, I would like to, to have the email stop. You're not in control of that, unfortunately, um, your exes. Yeah. So I think whether he's sending 10 emails a week or five emails a week, because your, your suggestion was let, let's get a variation to the existing order and let's have dad send less emails. Personally, I think if it's 10 a week or five a week, he's still going to be abusive. I would simply stop the receipt of the emails because if they're inappropriate. It, it's not up for debate. It's just not up for debate. They're inappropriate. And, mm -hmm. and unless he can learn some manners and unless he can be respectful, you don't tolerate it. Now, the other thing I would say is that why, why do you need to go to court and seek a variation? You know, you already have the child. Um, your ex is the one that should be having contact in whatever form that order says. If he doesn't like you stopping emails, then he's the one that takes it back to court. And when the judge says to you, why did you stop the email correspondence? You can show him all of the abusive emails. Yeah. That would be my suggestion. Do you think that I should, yeah, yeah. Do you think that I should let him know that I won't be allowing uh, my son to read the emails anymore? Or do you think I should just let him figure that out on his own? I, I well, it, it's, I mean, out of courtesy, I suppose I would be maybe um, setting up my case. So I would, out of courtesy, say, because of the inappropriateness of the emails, from this point onwards, that there will be no more emails received. I, I won't be allowing the child to read those. It's having a detrimental impact on him. Now, of course, that's not the whole story because you then have to manage the fallout of that. You know, you're the one that's with the child. is going to be disappointed there's no more emails there. But I think it's probably better to have a conversation about that than to allow the child to be subjected to ongoing emails that sound, you know, disgusting i mean that's just not appropriate yeah, is it really honestly it's exhausting it's yeah. so, and then i've had 
like I let him know out of courtesy that I was taking um, my son on holiday. Yeah. And we went to Egypt, and yeah. the first night we got there, he set his mom on me, and his mom was sending me the most vile messages and like voice notes. Um, because he couldn't do it, he sent his mom to do it. Yeah. And then I had an email earlier this week saying, uh, well, it, you know, to my son saying, your grandma's coming and she wants to see you. And it's just the mind games with with a 12 year old. Yeah. And I'm just so anxious about my son going to school at the end of the week and then his grandma's standing outside the school, like trying to don't be, him into seeing her. Yeah, don't, don't, don't be anxious about it. Trust yourself that you will know what to do and that you will do something about it. You know, you've come on here this evening to speak to me. So just know that if something does happen at the school gates on Friday, you'll sort it. You know, you will sort it. And I'm talking about some form of injunction or some kind of restraining order. But just have confidence in yourself that you are in control of this. All right. I think sometimes if we if if we know that we can do something about it and we know what to do about it, um, it makes the situation less daunting. All right. Yeah, honestly, I, I was going to send him an email saying that they are inappropriate, but then it opens the, the door to dialogue with him. Yeah. And then as soon as I get into conversation with him, he drags me to a place yeah. where I don't recognize myself. And yeah. I honestly hate myself. Yeah. And I hate going to that place. So that's why I, I, I have zero communication with him. Yeah. Just to protect my peace so then I can be a good mum to my son. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, all right. Okay, thank you so much. That Pleasure. Really helped me see things so much clearer. Thank you so okay, much. Okay, no problem. Bye-bye. Uh, Dearie, you are up next whenever you're ready. Ask me your question. Captain, apologies. I didn't see you there. Hello. Hello, how are can you? Can you hear me? I can, yeah. How are you? What's your question? Uh, um, um, so I would like to ask, there's been some safeguarding concerns of my one-year-old when he is with his dad. Yes. Uh, will this be a problem if I want to relocate to a different part of the UK? Safeguarding concerns, but you're relocating. Um, who? Sorry, the safeguarding concerns against who? You or the dad? I missed that part. Sorry. Uh, uh, so basically, I'm with my one-year-old. I'm the one who looks after J- um, my son day and night. And whenever he goes to his dad, um, the dad does not really bother feeding him properly. And there's been some other safeguarding issues that's been raised. And obviously, uh, I was involved in a 10-year relationship with him uh, with domestic um, and domestic violence with um, emotional abuse and, and controlling behavior and I just don't know where to go from here to be honest and all of my uh, family lives down south okay. and I would like to relocate and I yeah. stayed here because of him Okay. Well, if you haven't got his permission or because um, you, you don't need his permission, let me just make that clear to move. Okay. But he okay. obviously may not want his child moving away if it impacts upon his contact. So I suppose the starting okay. point is, is there a contact order in place at the moment? Um, we, we are still going through mediation. So what so, can be brought up to say this? So hang on. So it, just answer my question, if you don't mind. Is is there a contact order in place at the moment? Yes or no? No. No, okay. Yeah. Well, then, if you were to move down south, you're not breaching anything. You're not breaching anything. Um, however, if, if he wants to stop you, he could go and get what we call a prohibited steps order, all right? Okay. Now, if he did that, that's fine. You would just make your application, and, and you're asking for an order that you're allowed to move and, and that, you know, contact is put in place for dad. 
So, your initial question to me... I'm moving away or can I just move away? Oh, I think you should let him know if he's having contact with the child. Yeah, you should probably let him know where you're going. But at the moment, he Uh can't stop you because there's no order in place. Oh, okay. All right. Thank you so much. Pleasure. Thanks. Bye-bye. Hey, Captain. How are you? I'm well. How are you, Tracy? Not too bad. Not too bad. Thank you. A couple of questions for you this evening. Yeah. Number one is... uh, I'm asking on behalf of a friend... Uh, My friend lives out in Tenerife last December. He and his husband have split up domestic abuse with him moving back to the UK. He was wondering how the divorce would work for him to divorce his partner who lives in Tenerife and what would he, which, and which would he be allowed to use it? So I'm not sure what that means. They're just fact finding at the moment and any info would be appreciated. Okay, let's just back up a little bit. So we're talking about a divorce. I'm not clear about what that question is. And fact find, we've now switched to child arrangements. So just just take take it from the top again, Captain. (laughs) What's the first bit? It's a divorce divorce question. Right. But they're just looking for facts from, at the minute, facts on what to do, if that makes sense, rather than being a fact find children. Oh, I see. Sorry, Um, beg your pardon. Okay. It's a personal preference. As long as one of you are living here, then you can start the divorce here. It doesn't really matter that the other person lives in Tenerife. Um, All I would say is that where generally where you start the divorce, that country then has jurisdiction to do the finances. So if you start the divorce in England, then England will do the finances. If you start it in Tenerife, Tenerife will do the finances. So sometimes I'll say to clients, you know, get an understanding of the laws of the other country because it may be better for you to do the finances in the UK. That makes sense. Yeah. It makes sense to me anyway. (laughs) Um, So I've got another one here from Struggle. Yeah. Um, Going through court proceedings, the partner has not submitted the conditional order. What does this mean for me? We have been separated for three years. Yeah. I need to buy a new car, but would it be included in our assets if I bought it after separation? Thank you. Um, so the first part of the question is they haven't applied for the conditional order. If you don't have that, you're not going to be able to submit your financial order. So in divorce, we have the conditional order and then we have the final order. Then you're divorced. The financial order is sandwiched in between those two. So we need to get our conditional order, then we file our financial order, and then we get our final order for divorce. So that answers that part, hopefully. With regards to the car, if you're buying a car outright, it won't really matter initially. You've either got £10,000 sat in the bank or you buy a car to the value of £10,000. The downside to buying the car, well, maybe not the downside, depends how you look at it, is that it then becomes a depreciating asset, whereas the 10000 in the bank, will, chances are, will stay as 10000 So that doesn't really matter, you know, what she wants to do or he wants to do there, but just know that the car will obviously depreciate. And if they're getting the car on finance, again, it won't matter because you'll have £10,000 worth of assets, i.e. the car, but you'll have £10,000 worth of debt, i.e. your car finance. So it'll just level itself out. Yeah, that's great. All right, thanks, Tracy. Jermaine, what's your question? Hi. Hello. Um, Hi. I can, yeah. What's your question? All right, so my question is, I've been married to my wife since 2019. Yeah. Um, We have a five-year-old daughter, and we've separated now. May just gone. Um, She's asked me to transfer all the bills utilities, internet, everything for her name. Yeah. So my first question, will that weaken my position 
vai. So picking up your belongings is entirely down to you. You know, if you've got somewhere to put them, then yeah. I would suggest that you go and get them and it's just done. Um, the courts don't really get involved in that, if I'm being completely honest with you. They will leave that up to the parties. Okay. When it comes to putting yeah. the bills in your name, again, that's not going to affect your financial settlement. Um, I would just be okay. wary about having bills in my name if they're not actually my bills. Do you know what okay. I mean? So, but in terms of a financial settlement, it won't matter whose name bills are in. But just be mindful of that. It it, see, it seems a, a strange request. It, is, it does, which yeah. is why I'm, it, it caught me a bit off guard and I thought, yeah. hold on, is there something I'm not seeing? And you know what? I'm a big believer in instinct. So if, if it just doesn't feel right in yeah. your gut, then just don't do it. Don't do it. All right, thank you. Pleasure. Bye. Nikki, I'm going to try you again. There we go. Let me see if it's a better line this time. Nikki, hello. Oh, that's much better this time now. You're clear as a bell. How can I help? Hi, yeah, this is, this, I think this is complicated. Okay. Um, I, my husband has finally um, signed for divorce and we're going through the financial issues, but he yeah. has refused to, or he's ignoring the D81 form. Yeah. Um, we, we own three properties in our name. One property has a bridging loan on it of 1.1 million, and um, the other two houses are worth about two. I agreed to just walk away with 600,000, yeah. which my solicitor disagreed with. He said the ha- our, our matrimonial home wouldn't sell, which I left because he threatened me. Yeah. The house has since sold for 2.25 um, and is now with the conveyance. And, but I have. I have found out that he has agreed with the bridge and loan company to pay the bridge and loan off the sale of the house. Um, can he do that? I know he's trying to make sure I get absolutely no money at all. Can he do that? Or and he's refusing to fill out the anything to do with his with his finances well i suppose nikki um, the first question i would ask is the the house that's just sold is it in sold was it in the sole name or joint names no, in joint names okay so mortgage. okay so that that money then belongs to both of you and um obviously yeah. the conveyancing solicitor needs to hold on to that because the money's in dispute yeah. pending a settlement yeah. now the bridging loan whose name is that in both names and would that need is that going to need to be paid off anyway as part of this divorce settlement um well the the deal was the house that we got the bridge and loan on yeah. was um to be re- redone and then sold but i know he's got the plans to make it into you know a five million pound house okay and i had agreed to sign the house over to him which was supposed to be part of the deal yeah but because he's been asked to disclose his finances he's ignoring everything I prefer to sign the house over to him. I had nothing to do with it. Yeah. I didn't want it in the first place. Yeah. Um, so because the bridge and loan is part mine, I am worried that I, that we will have to pay off with the sale of our matrimonial home, which leaves me with but, no money at all. Well, not... N- with. Yeah, no, that, that, that's not going to happen, Nikki. I mean, you know, if your yeah. argument is that he's actually going to keep that property... And, you know, the yeah. equity that he will generate from that is, is enough to, to pay the bridging loan, then that's your case. Yeah. And therefore, you'll take your um, share of the equity from the sale of the property that's already sold. If he says, yeah. no, that's not fair, you're lumbering me with debt, well, then I would be pushing for him to place that property on the market then. 
because the sale of that property will pay off the bridging loan anyway. So, yeah, and, and, okay. and I think your initial well, question... We own another property that he's built next to our current home. Right. He's, he's not registered with the land registry, which I'm, is worth another 2.5 million. But then it, um, which it will be. Yeah, so it's not, it, but it, but it's not difficult, Nikki, because all of these assets are matrimonial assets. All of them are. So when we can't treat it piecemeal. We can't just look at the property that's sold. And I know that by the yeah. sounds of it, you just want to take a lump sum and walk away and be done with it. Yeah. But you, you're going to yeah. have to treat the whole thing because ultimately the court's going to make a financial order and is going to want to yeah. know um, that the order's fair. And in order for the order to be okay. fair, they, they have to be aware of all of the assets in the marriage. Okay, so okay. we're going to have to deal with all of them at the same time. Okay, and then if he, he's he's now disappeared off to Dubai, but can this still be taken out? If a, if a, if a court looks at this, can this be taken out of his hands? Absolutely. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, I mean, if okay. he if he's not willing okay. to engage, is the matter before the court, Nikki? Financial financial application? Are you midway through the process? Yeah, my, my, my solicitor's putting an application in now because he's ignoring everything. Oh, I see. I've got you. I've got you. Just just make sure, and I'm sure your solicitor has done this. Just make sure that it's protected. Just make sure that he can't squander anything and sell anything. Hopefully everything's in joint names and you've got home rights registered if they're not. Um, but yes, I mean, if he's not agreeing to do it by consent, which I think is what you're saying, then the financial yeah. application goes in. Yes, if he refuses to engage in the proceedings, then yet the court, absolutely, a court order can override that for sure. Okay, and then since March, I've actually been homeless. I've had nowhere to live. I had to leave the family home and just staying with friends. Right. Would the court look at that he's also 100%. If, I, if I get to take one penny over 600,000, I'll be looking over my shoulder for the rest of my life. Well, which is I, why I agreed to take it. Okay, I mean, you, your first request, I think, would be a lump sum so that your housing needs are met. There's a lot of assets yeah. here. Um, and it, it yeah. doesn't it doesn't seem proportionate that you are homeless living with a friend. So I think when the application's yeah. made, I'd be asking for a further interim order that you're allowed to take a lump sum from the money that's sat with the conveyancer so that you can meet your housing yeah. needs. Yeah. All oh, right. Thank you so much. Pleasure. No problem. Thanks, Nikki. Bye. Laura Brown, how can I help you? Hi, Hello. That's all right. How can I help? Sorry, so um, I've got caught the 4th of October. My sister's yeah. had a children's recover. Um, I did um, an assessment to try foster my niece and my nephew. Um, I was declined on the basis because I'm at university and because I work full-time as a prison officer. But they also put that as a positive that the children would have a good role model. Um, I was also declined because I was in a domestic violent relationship and... I had a bad childhood, um, but both of those things I was a victim of, not the person who actually did it. Um, I was also declined because um, I'm in a two-bedroom house and I have two children already, but obviously I don't have a three-bedroom house because I didn't have my niece and my nephew then. Um, I've been told I can um, appeal and do a C2 form. Do I need to or do any of the forms at all what what are you appealing again you wouldn't you wouldn't use a c2 to appeal laura what 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 are you trying to do just tell me what you're trying to achieve 
I'm trying to get it so they can reassess me because the things they declare me on, they've contradicted themselves yes. on. Against me, that's not my fault. So I just want to appeal it so I can try get custody of my niece and my nephew. When you say they, Laura, are you talking about social services? Yeah. So social services have assessed you to see if you're suitable to look after your niece and nephew and their assessment says that you're not suitable. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So is the matter before the family court at the moment or not? Yeah. Oh, it uh, is. Okay. Okay. Ones, oh, uh, yeah. Sorry. You did say. Yeah. Apologies. Uh, yeah. Adopted out or given to me. Yeah. Apologies. You did say at the beginning you're in court. Okay. So what you're asking, what, what you're looking for then is that the court will ask that social services perhaps do a reassessment or listen to the reasons that you say the assessment isn't fair. So yes, you do need to complete a C2 and send that into the court and tell the court the order that you're looking for and then it will be in the hands of the court, okay? Does that and help? Is that the only form I need to do? Yes, yes, as far as I'm aware. From what you've told okay. me, yes, yeah. Okay, do I need to um, make a payment at all with it? No, no, because a C2 is an application within existing proceedings, so no, you don't have to pay anything. Okay, thank All you right. for that. All right, pleasure. No problem. Thanks, Laura. Okay. Blonde princess, you're first. What's your question? Oh, Hi, yes. So Hello. I'm speaking on behalf of my husband. Yeah. Um, he's been, so he's been to court four times now um, for child access. Yeah. Um, because um stopped him from seeing the children for next season. And they've had a court order in place for eight months now. Um, which was agreed that they had every other weekend and a half of all past terms. Um, and it was um, strictly put across from the judge that he has the first um, the half the half term and she has the second just so they can get ready for school and because of the history of her like not turning up, etc. Um, obviously, it's been in place for eight months. The children are happy. Everyone knows the routine. We... Um, it was ordered by the judge that all the holidays were set out, or they had to say the like by, by January that that year, uh, which was done for the following year now. Um, but she's come back and basically said that she wants to change all of the holidays around. Would this need to go like back to mediation, like because she's very controlling, very demanding, and he's obviously in a position where he's been in before that if he doesn't agree to what she says. She just stops contact. So if she wishes to vary the order, which I think is what you're saying, and your husband isn't in agreement, you wouldn't have to go back to mediation because you're asking the court okay. to vary something that's already in existence, okay? Um, if mm -hmm. she stops contact completely um, because he doesn't agree to the change that she's requesting then your husband is doing a C-79 to enforce an existing order and equally won't need to go to mediation. So it depends what happens first. If, if she wishes to change and he says no and then she says, well, I'm off to vary it or if she stops contact and he has to enforce, either one of those options, mediation wouldn't be required because it's not, okay. a, it's not a new application. We're just 
changing or enforcing an existing order. How would it look in front of a judge in a sense of obviously this would be the fifth time that they've been back and yeah. she's agreed to this pattern the last two orders and obviously they're yeah. conscious that last year she didn't let him see the children just stopped contact and obviously he's now got the contact the children are in a routine and obviously she wants to change it again. Yeah I mean it's sort of like child centered putting like their needs it's because she wants to go like camping or something it's yeah it's not child focused at all i i get that it's um it's frustrating i mean would there be consequences no the court's going to hear the application and and make a make an order is it worth mentioning if the matter does go back to court that actually this is the fifth time that we've been in front of the court judge? Is there anything that we can do to stop it coming back to court? Because it sounds to me as if mum is kind of using the court as a bit like a parenting app. You know, she can't co-parent, therefore we run off to the judge. And that's not really what they're there for. So it might be that if the matter goes back before the court, your husband maybe reaches out to the judge or the magistrates and says, look, could we perhaps look at maybe she has to seek permission before she can make another application? But there yeah, won't there won't be any consequences. Make the application just because obviously she stops contact, and there's been four different court orders in place, and she just stops she just stops them like breaches them. Yeah. Um, but there's been no like implications for her breaching them, and obviously. Well, the court. We yeah. With a barrister, so it's it's cost very costly. The court the court won't make any um there'll be no consequences unless you ask the court for consequences. You know, generally they won't make them of their own motion. The court will only make orders that mm -hmm. it's asked to make. Um, I would be, if you're going to instruct a barrister again, they're the best um, ones to ask because they know your case. They're at court with you and they'll be able to, you know, request from the court what it is that you need to, to perhaps stop another, another application being made. But it's not guaranteed. Do you know what I mean? If she isn't playing okay. ball, then, you know, you going back to court is the only way that you can get contact. Okay. All right. Perfect. Thanks All right. No problem. Thanks. Bye. NS, you are next up. What's your question? Hi. Hello. Um, my question is just, I wanted to ask, um, currently going through a divorce. Um, it's a domestic violence case. And um, we've had one hearing where it was about the non-molestation and the prohibited steps order. Um, we were due to have another hearing with regards to the children this Friday. Um, it's been postponed by the court for a month. Um, I am currently considering changing solicitors, and I wasn't sure if it was a good idea to do that in the middle of everything. The solicitor we have, she's good, but she she's making mistakes with legal documents, like putting down the wrong dates in the Scots allegation, um, right. or in the bundle that we have to submit to the court, she put down the wrong dates for the assault and things like that. Yeah. Um, which is not great because it doesn't really look great for us to have these mistakes in in the documentation. Um, and then I can't get through to her when I need to. Um, she's not really readily available and I'm just not sure what to do if I should change solicitors and find someone else. It's um yeah it's it's a personal choice really I mean I can't I can't um, give a suggestion as to, as to what you do in that regard um if you're not happy and you know you've tried yeah. and you're still not getting the service that you want obviously that's the the logical resolve I suppose just know that your new solicitor um, has to get up to speed with your file um, so you know that could be at a cost to you. Um, I don't know, you mentioned domestic violence. I don't know if you're receiving legal aid. 
um, potentially you may oh, struggle. No. Okay. So <laughs> if you're yeah. paying privately then, um, your new solicitor is yeah. going to have to get up to speed with your file. So there's, there's a cost implication for that. Um, but changing, you know, midway, it's never a great idea to do that because your existing solicitor knows your case. You're, you're going to be asking your new solicitor to get up to speed quickly. Um, but if you yeah. do feel the need to change, whoever you speak to, make sure that they've got the capacity, the bandwidth to be able to get up to speed fast. You know, it, not all solicitors yeah. have got the opportunity to put a whole day aside to go through your entire file and really get up to speed with it. So, you know, that's that's a, a serious question you want to be asking before you take on a new solicitor. Okay. So, I mean, obviously, the thing is, she's good. We had the hearing and she was great in the court. It's just these mistakes that I'm just, it makes, doesn't it make my case look weak in the sense that my solicitor's was making all these mistakes with the dates. For example, the Scots allegation, she put down the wrong date of the assault and then he then responded saying, well, actually, it didn't happen on this date, it happened on this date, which I know, but they've put down the wrong date, but how, like, it's not my it's, fault, but it looks bad on me. I, I've just got no um, context, so I, I, I don't know the severity that a yeah. wrong date would have, if I'm being honest with you. Um, I, I, I okay. wouldn't be able to answer okay. that. No, All that's right. Fine. I, just, I was just wondering, because I don't want it to, I don't want it to affect me in a negative way, changing sure. solicitors midway. But I wasn't sure if it's a good idea or not to do that. I just wasn't sure what to do really. To yeah, yeah. It's, um, it's, as I say, it, it, it won't impact yeah. your, your case with the court if you change midway. Um, but just make sure your yeah. new solicitor's got capacity to be able to get up to speed quickly. Yeah. All right. Okay. All right. That's great. Thank you. Pleasure. Bye-bye. Um, hi, Amart. How are you? Oh, you're okay. I'm good, thank you. I'm good. You had a bit of problems joining me on the stage, I think. You kept bobbing up and falling oh, out and bobbing up and well, falling out. Every time you invite me up, I always yeah. check that to make sure the mic works. And yeah. If it doesn't, I'll drop myself off. Oh, I see. <laughs> okay. <laughs> how can I help, Mark? I went through a domestic abuse. Yeah. He was arrested. He pleaded guilty. I was awarded a three-year restraining order. He breached that and went back to court, got a 12-week suspended prison sentence for 18 months. He has, he has also hit the child by throwing the tennis ball and left a mark on her. So when we went to court for the live-with order, he didn't show up. On the first one, the judge gave him a second chance. He didn't show up again. So the judge ordered the live-with order and said to my solicitor that, you know, we had grave concerns, so I'm, I order mum to have the live-with order. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm trying to get to the question. Yeah. <laughs> I never did, never show up. If he decides to go to court to get access now or in the future, will my 10-year-old son, who does not want to see him again, as she's just, just terrified, does does she have the right to refuse contact, basically? Oh, I see. So I think, I think in essence, what that question's about is we've been to court once, maybe twice before. He didn't turn up, clearly didn't take it seriously. If he makes another application, will the court hear it? I think, let's break it down. If he makes an application, chances are the court will list it for a hearing. The next question, and, and don't be afraid of that, the next question would be, and will he then be successful? Look, it, it's difficult without knowing a bit more about the case and the reasons why he didn't get, you know, involved the last time. You know, were there compelling reasons that he didn't show up? Was he himself suffering from mental health or perhaps, 
you know, I, I don't know. So it's difficult to answer that. Um, what I would say at 10, you know, if she's a fairly mature 10 year old, her view will be listened to as to why she's afraid of dad or maybe why she doesn't want to see dad. And of course, mom can support that by giving some context as to the relationship. It might be that dad's violent or it might be that dad has addiction issues. I don't know. So, um, but the thing, the thing is not to be intimidated by someone that makes a court application because the court's always going to be cautious in children's matters. And if there's any kind of doubt in the court's mind or suggestion that the child's welfare may be compromised, they're not going to make an order. So, so don't worry is what I would say to that one. Yeah, no worries. Um, the next one is uh, my ex is a full-time student living just over an hour away. He lives the typical student life, sees her only when it suits him and not when I could do with the support. Health visitor says it's doing her more harm than good uh, as there's no structure. She is one and she's in, she is one year old and she has seen him about eight times only for a few hours at a time. Yeah. He's on the birth certificate but legally has PR. Um, and has threatened me with court. I suggested mediation, but he's declined. He has no place to stay. He has a student accommodation. So if it did go to court, what would be the likely outcome of it in terms of custody? Well, I think, I think look, custody is probably um, a, a reach for him if he's only seen her eight times in a year. Um, I strongly doubt that he would be given custody. Um, but what the court will do or what a court order will do is put some framework around it so there'll be some consistency. And what I'm hearing from that question is that mum's, you know, understandably, you know, slightly inconvenienced by the inconsistency of it. You know, he turns up as and when he wants. And clearly mum wants the child to have a relationship with dad. So she's allowing that to happen, perhaps at her detriment. So a child arrangements order would certainly give us some consistency. Yeah, definitely. Um, the next one is, uh, my sister-in-law uh, looks after my mum-in-law who has de- dementia. Yeah. Um, she's, moved, she's moved in, took over everything. We live 40 miles away. Husband was third party on, on bank at mum's request, but sister's abuse and finances. She, she, she has taken us off the bank. Yeah. Assured it, and the bank has assured us that this couldn't happen. What happens to finances when mum-in-law has passed? Sister is buying herself multiple multiple things from the bank. Um, we could log in and check. Sorry if long-winded. So basically, the sister-in-law is abusing the mother-in-law's finances, basically. Yeah, so it's not really a family law question, Mart. Um, I know it's a family right. that we're talking about, but it doesn't come under my umbrella. So I'm, I, I genuinely don't know the answer to that. You know, it, effectively, someone stealing money from another family member. Um, you know, if I was speaking to a friend, my first suggestion would be call the police, um, particularly yeah. if that, I mean, you know, has, has anybody got power of attorney for the lady with dementia? You know, um, that, that somebody must be her carer. If it's the person that's stealing money, I would, cert- I would definitely get the police involved. I, I certainly wouldn't turn a blind eye. But I can't say anything with any confidence because it's not my area. Yeah, no worries. And the final one I got for you, Trace. Yeah. And um, this lady's been trying to get through to you on Discord, but she can't find you on the Discord thing. Oh, bless. Um, my son suffers with dysle- dyslexia. Yeah. And Erling syndrome. Um, we were in court on the 30th to enforce a court order, but my son got so confused because he kept going back for his son's sake that the relationship was toxic. The lawyer bombarded him with questions and turned off and didn't understand so now 
he's got to go through court order again, start from scratch. The next court order date is on the 18th of December and cannot see his son until after that date. My question is, he can't afford a solicitor as he can't prove DV and somehow she has one, but she cannot prove DV is there anywhere else we can get help. I mean, when, when you say help, I assume they mean legal advice. Um, not yes. not really. I mean, look, let me let me be clear about one thing. If you go to seek the support of a solicitor, you don't have to have them do everything. And I say that because sometimes people think, well, the minute I speak to a solicitor, I'm locked in. That's not the case. You can go and have one hour's advice with a solicitor, okay? So it, it may be that he'd benefit from that or even just knowing that he's not locked in. Um, but apart from that, I mean, look, there are people that will offer free legal advice. I can't always recommend them because they may not be legally qualified. Um, you know, volunteers aren't, aren't always legally qualified. There are people that will do pro bono. My firm does pro bono um, every every now and again. Um, but, uh, you know, that that's probably as far as I can take that one, Mart. You, you, I mean, whenever you're going to court, I, I always say to people, never be intimidated or worried about representing yourself, but please try and get that one hour's legal advice. It will honestly stand you in such good stead. And if, if you go and see somebody that knows what they're talking about, they'll be able to just clarify for you exactly what it is that you need to do. So that has to be their starting point. And generally, we can all find enough money to have that first hour, you know, and, and that's all that you might need. Cheers, right. Trace. Thank you very much. Pleasure. No problem at all. Thank you. Cheers, Trace. All right, then. Bye. Yeah. Um, right, guys, that brings us to the end of another Family Law Hour. I'm going to be back on Thursday, um, as usual, although apologies, I wasn't here last Thursday. Um, I'm going to jump on at six and do another hour for you guys, hopefully answer some more of your questions, uh, Family Law related, of course. Apologies to those of you still in the audience with your hand up. Um, I'm so sorry that we just ran out of time this evening, but thank you to everyone that joined me on the Discord this evening, and I really hope that you got something out of it. I know I always love doing my Discord sessions um, when I can. So um, until then, guys, take care and I will see you all or hear you all again on Thursday. Bye bye.